Our text is Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. I'm trying to get all my notes and other things here uh, out of my way. <clears throat> but Revelation chapter 9. Also, we'll be looking briefly uh, this morning at Second Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. And then Hebrews chapter 6, verses uh, 18 through 20 as well. So uh, that'll be just uh, in a little bit. But right now we're going to start with Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Now, before I get started, we've got to admit, 2020 has not been a dull year. <laughs> not at all. That's an understatement. USA Today cited a poll saying, we are exhausted by all the drama in 2020. For six months, it's been COVID, home quarantine, shutdowns, police shootings, rioting. And now it just seems like they're talking of civil war over a vacancy in the Supreme Court. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm the last one left, the only one that's actually fighting the scourge of plastic straws, <laughs> okay? <laughs> if there's one good thing about COVID, it stopped all of that about the plastic straws, okay? The plastic straws will, I tell you what, all the people that die without Christ will go down there to where all the plastic straws are, okay? <laughs> it's crazy, all right. Well, let's look at Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. We'll be looking at that, I believe, next Sunday about the scorpions and things of that nature, but I just want to uh, lay this foundation because we've been away from this for a couple of weeks on the various tortures that take place in hell. Now, this angel that falls from heaven, this is in the book of Revelation, the tribulation period has uh, been going on, and uh, this angel, that when he falls, uh, and that's what a star is, it's an angel here in this situation, uh, he is given the key to the bottomless pit. And there's a reason for that, because Jesus has the keys. We're told in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, that he has the keys of hell and death. How did he get those keys? Well, he took on human flesh, lived a sinless life, became an acceptable sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. So he died on the cross. And then he rose bodily from the grave. That victory over hell and death gave him, in his humanity, the keys of hell and of death. Now understand, 
we've talked about that. What is death? Death is, mean, the word means separation. When you die, your spirit separates from your body. Now, it's, I was doing the soul winning class yesterday. I was doing the thing that I used to do with children all the time. I'd say, boys and girls, if I cut off my finger and put it right there, where's the real me? Is it that finger or is it in here? And the boys and girls would point at me and say, it's in you. Isn't it wonderful that boys and girls can understand? Um, they'd point at me and say, right there. I said, but wasn't that my finger? Yes. So is that the real me? No. Well, why not? Because the real you lives inside you. Now, when a person, uh, we say they pass away, they die, but actually what happens is that spirit leaves the body. That spirit's going to live forever somewhere. Either hell or with the Lord. The spirits who die without Jesus Christ, they rejected him. They'll go to a place that's called hell today. That's the second thing. Death is separation from God forever. And only if we get saved in this lifetime can that be remedied. But the other thing is hell. There's a hell now. In the Old Testament, it was of three compartments. There was, there was uh, the great place we call Hades, the lake of fire, not the lake of fire, but fire, brimstone, so forth like that that was there. But you might say above that, there was a great gulf. Then above that, there was Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom before the resurrection of Jesus Christ is where everybody who was saved, those who looked forward to that coming Messiah who would pay their price, those that looked forward to this Jesus Christ, that's where their soul would go when they died. We have the story of Abraham and, uh, with Lazarus and the rich man, and the rich man wanted Lazarus to cross that great gulf. And he had to be told, well, they can't cross that great gulf, even if they wanted to. Well, so those that were died without the Lord, they're in Hades, they're in the fire. And then below that is a place in the Greek word, it's Tartarus, it's called hell also, but it's Tartarus in, in the Greek word. And it simply is the place where those fallen angels, some fallen angels were put there back during the days of the flood, some will be at the end of time as the man at Gadarene when the Lord cast out those demons from him, that legion of demons. They said, let us go into the swine. Don't, don't, don't send us there before the time. The devils uh, fear it. Why? Because that is their eternal punishment. And they know it. They believe it. They believe and tremble, the Bible tells us. At the great white throne judgment, all that in hell will be cast into the lake of fire with all the torments and everything else added to the lake of fire. We told you the lake of fire is kind of like hell on steroids, okay, because it's much worse. But paradise, Abraham's bosom, was caught up to heaven when Jesus Christ arose from the dead. Now when a person dies who dies in the Lord, they're taken to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what a great uh, thing for them there in that place today. Many of us have loved ones who are with Christ now. And as we think of them, we know we just said, see you later. We didn't have to say goodbye to them. So that is kind of a quick rundown of what we've covered. 
without really getting to a lot of the torments that we've already covered. But today, as we look here, we bring our minds back to the idea of Abraham in that bosom, and the rich man was there and, and in the Hades, and he could see Lazarus there with Abraham. And request for Lazarus to come and dip his finger in water and touch his tongue because he said, I am tormented in this flame. Now, the rich man that was tormented in that flame, he's not in there because he's rich. He's in there because he never received the Lord. He's not in the body that he died in. That body's still in a grave. But he is in a body that is prepared for him that will feel the same kind of pain that you and I would feel if we were in a fire. It'll feel the same kind of torments that we will feel if we were tormented. It will feel those things. But it won't be able to disintegrate. It won't be able to pass away. It is forever. No hope. None of those things that they would wish for, water or whatever, can be satisfied for them. And there are other things that we'll cover as we get further into Revelation chapter 9. But it's interesting that uh, the rich man did request that, uh, and they could not cross that gulf. There's something about that gulf, that great gulf, that cannot be crossed. The abyss... The bottomless pit is called the abyss by some preachers simply because it comes from the Greek word pit, abyssos, which is a, they, they just kind of cut it down and say abyss. But it's a bottomless pit. Kind of makes you think that there's always going to be a feeling of falling, but it's not going to be going down, not up, and across the great gulf. It's not going to happen. Now, having said that, we go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. And there it says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Jesus Christ, the just, paid it all on the cross. For we who are unjust, born in sin, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, sometimes we wonder, did he preach to just the fallen spirits, those fallen angels of Satan's? Or did he preach to the people who died in their sin, having rejected the way of salvation in Christ Jesus? Well, perhaps the next verses kind of give us an understanding of that. Uh, and it could have been to both, I, I don't deny that. But he says here, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing, were in few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Meaning, they were saved because they were in the boat when the floods came. But he mentioned there, the long-suffering of God 
in the days of Noah. The Bible also tells us that Moses, a Moses was a preacher of righteousness. Excuse me, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he was preaching salvation to this, the people could be saved. He was preaching that. This was a godly, righteous man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord, just like we could find grace in the eyes of the Lord that are, if you're unsaved. There's grace there. That's the great thing. Well, they've rejected it, made fun of it, would have nothing to do with it. And so they were saved by water. He says, the like figure wherein to baptism also doth now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do I have a good conscience towards God? by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ was absolutely, in his humanity, perfect. He represented me on the cross. He paid my penalty. When I received him, I, at that moment, became his. And when I appear on that great day, I am accepted in the beloved, as Ephesians 1, 6 says, as is anyone who has received Christ as your Savior. And that uh, gives the answer of a good conscience towards God because it's not my conscience, it's God's conscience. By the resurrection of Christ from the dead, who has gone into heaven, and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Those angels, authorities, and powers are speaking of devils and even heavenly angels. But the thing is, he was already God from eternity past, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. But it was 2,000 years ago he took on a human body. He was the Son of God in spirit throughout all eternity past, but he became the Son of God in a human body 2,000 years ago. And in that human body, fully tempted as we are, yet without sin, he was the acceptable and the only acceptable sacrifice that could be made for our sin. And as a result of that, those who received him, those who come to him, can be saved and will be saved. But he has the keys. He has the power, because all these things are subject to him even in his humanity. Even in his humanity, they are subject unto him. So we know of hell that it's a tormenting flame. It is a bottomless pit, the idea of a constant feeling of falling. Paradise is no longer there. There's a great gulf that cannot be crossed. And that old rich man is still in hell 2,000 years later, still conscious, not able to cease to exist. When Samuel was called out of paradise, he wasn't a happy camper. Those that are in Christ, that died in Christ, they don't want to come back here. They're praying for the rapture for you to come up there if you're saved. That's what they want. But 
Jesus preached to those spirits in hell, we're told there. I believe that it's just like Abraham said to the rich man's son, remember? I think they're being reminded of the time. You had the opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. You had the opportunity to do that. You passed it up. And now, it's too late. You know, I think of a great gulf. You know, we think of a great body of water. If that was a great body of water in hell, even the guys in Hades could not touch it. Only those that were in paradise. I imagine that would be a torment in and of itself. To have that longing as the rich man of just let somebody put their finger in water and touch my tongue. And that, not even that can happen. And they can't cross over it. They can't even start to cross over it. And there's not a ship in hell that they can get on and cross that great gulf. That takes us to Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 18 through 20. That by these two immutable Immutable means unchangeable. By these two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. <laughs> you know, that's the great thing about reading His Word. You see a promise in His Word. God does not lie. That's great, isn't it? He does not lie. So that uh, He says, you can... Trust God in all things, of course, uh, completely, but that you might have a strong consolation, a strong comfort, having fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. You know, some things you have things in life you don't understand as a Christian. Why did they do that? Why did they say that? Why did they do that to me? Why? Don't worry about it. One day you'll know. They can hide it from you now, but they can't hide it from you in eternity. You'll know, and you'll probably be better able to forgive if you need to forgive somebody. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, what does all that mean? Okay. Melchizedek was a priest. If you'll remember when Abraham, uh, he, he goes, he defeats those, those kings that got Lot, frees Lot, brings them back. And there's Melchizedek, and he's a priest, and he's actually the place. It's not called Jerusalem then, but that's where he's a priest. And he comes out. Some people believe that this is a, uh, what they call Christophany, that it's actually Jesus. Uh, I, I don't know that uh, Jesus uh, came in human form, but he did make appearances in the Old Testament. I don't know if he was in a human form that he lived there like that. But I still see the representative because it doesn't show that he had any mother or father, sons or daughters, brothers or sisters. You say, well, you mean just like a virgin birth or something, just like a whatever? No, they just didn't have the records. But because there was no records, they couldn't say the son of. You know, so often you'll say, you'll see those things like uh, uh, Jacob, the son of this guy. 
that guy, the son of this guy, and that guy, the son of this guy. You read through those things those in the Bible, you'll see that there's the son of. They couldn't say the son of for him. They just couldn't say it. And so that's the, why his priesthood is like Melchizedek's. But in the Old Testament, they also had a high priest in Israel. That high priest, one day a year, he would go in to the tabernacle, and inside the tabernacle there was what was called the Ark of the Covenant, and on top of that ark was a seat, a golden mercy seat. And there the blood of the animal would be placed, and so he'd go in first for himself and place that blood there for his own sin. Then having that taken care of, he'd go out there'd be a sacrifice to take in and offer the blood for the people. The lamb they offered had to be past inspection and be perfect, without blemish, without anything. And what a picture that was of Christ, without sin, without any blemish, to be an acceptable sacrifice. You remember when Jesus rose from the dead? Mary Magdalene's the first one to see him, and she starts to touch him. He says, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto my Father. You see, he's going to take the blood up to the Holy of Holy of Heavens and place it on that mercy seat. Why? He didn't have any sin. No, but he became sin for us. All of our sin was placed upon him. And so he goes up there first to place the blood on the mercy seat so that you and I can be saved. Now, having done that, the Old Testament priest, he comes out and makes the offering for the people. And that's the way it goes again a year later because the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins forever. It had to be the blood of Jesus Christ. But it says there that he sat down now. What does he do while he's sitting down there by the throne of God? He's gone in there and, he, and, and he, he's there, right there now. He's right there with the Father. So how? What's he doing? Well, he's interceding for us. But what does he mean by a forerunner? Well, back in that day, these ships that they would build, now they're not as huge as the ships that we'd have today, but they're a good size. They could deliver cargo and things of that nature. But uh, often those Greek harbors were very shallow. And because they were so shallow, they would let down an anchor in the place where they could and not in any way damage the ship. In other words, the ship could only go in so far. And they would have a boat, maybe a couple of boats, where they could lower the boats into the water, and they would take it in to port. It might be merchandise, it might be something to deliver. They may go there and pick up food and pick up things that they needed on the ship. But that's the way they did. And yet, they had to go in and, and register and do everything that we'd talk, think about in delivering and picking up. Well, Jesus delivered the blood. He's like the forerunner. And see, here we are on life's sea, hopeless, 
it's impossible for us to make it on our own. And yet he said that we could go in and find grace and help to find, uh, to find help in time of need. But how do we do that? That's why I pray in Jesus' name. You see, he's called the forerunner. And so we ride that forerunner into the holy place. You say, you mean I get on that thing and I go in button? No. Christ is in you. We go in in spirit in this life. And we ask according to his will. Going in on Christ, the forerunner. You know what? When I have answered prayer, it's not me because I'm so powerful. No, it's because Jesus Christ is so good. And he answered because it was according to his will. And so that's what we find in Christ Jesus. He entered in for us. He paid the penalty for us. And now we can go in and out and find grace and a help in time of need. We can find that help. So, what a difference. The unsaved are in that bottomless pit. The unsaved cannot cross that gulf forever. They are hopeless. Because that is a place of fire and torment. And we find there are some results from that. We're told of Sodom in, in Luke 17, 29, when Jesus is talking. He says that same day Lot went out of Sodom. It rained something on Sodom. What was that? It was fire and brimstone. Now, I know people today make fun of, they mock, and say things derogatorily of fire and brimstone preaching. Listen, that's what ignorant people do. They're ignorant of the truth. Now, I'm not calling them ignorant as just talking about their IQ. I'm just saying they're ignorant spiritually of the truth. They react that way because it may be a threat to them. And maybe they should take it that way because if they die without Christ, that's exactly what they have ahead. And so... They found fire and brimstone. Then it destroyed them all. In Revelation chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, it states it this way. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Now let me just look at that word indignation. It's defined as extreme anger, contempt, disgust, and abhorrence. That describes the attitude of God the Father who dis totally despises the one who dies having rejected Christ as his Savior when he took his only begotten Son and poured out the fullness of almighty wrath, not just human wrath, no, almighty wrath upon his human spirit. He suffered something that even the people in hell have not suffered. That he might pay the penalty in full. And even his only begotten son said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
It didn't mean that Jesus ceased being God the Son. It didn't mean he had left, lost his deity. It didn't mean that, Jesus Christ, that the Father turned his back on him. No. Throughout his ministry, whether it was in the wilderness of temptation, whether it's in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he sweat drops as if they were blood, angels were sent to minister to him. But here, that ministering doesn't help. It won't be sent that he might pay in full the, for the sin of the whole world. Now, he told Peter, don't you think I could call 12 legions of angels? Oh, he could have. More than that, he could have just spoken the word himself and come off the cross. But when you talk about God so loved the world, not only the Father, but the Son, the Holy Spirit loved us, that he wanted to save us. But to pour out all that wrath upon his son, and I reject the Savior, I deserve to go to hell. As does anyone who hears the way of salvation. They can be saved. And they mock it. They refuse it. They reject it. There's nothing left but for them to go to hell. That's why I say, are you sure that you're saved? He said, again, they shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. It's not watered down. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest. They, or night, who worship the beast and the image, and whosoever receiveth his mark of his name. You see, even in the tribulation, we've been raptured, we've been caught up, there are people left behind, there's still a chance for them to get saved. They pass it up. They pass it up. Even when this pit is open, and they see the reality, they still pass it up. They won't get saved. They won't repent and believe the gospel. And they die in their sin. And we think, why? Why? You see, that place called hell Jesus said it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Satan and his devils aren't going to be there with pitchforks tormenting anybody. They're going to be tormented. And if you're down there, you're with them. You're in hell. And when the white throne judgment after the end of the millennium and, and that white throne comes out, all those who were still alive at the end but without Christ, they appeared before that throne as well as those that were cast into the hell before because they died and they went to hell. They'll be before that white throne and judged. Everything's written in the books, we're told. 
But there's one thing. There's a book of life. The Lord promised he would not blot out their name out of the book of life. Who are those that don't get their name blotted out? Those that receive Christ. Then why would he blot out these other names? Because they didn't receive Christ. In other words, in that all the names are in the book of life, it was his will for you to get saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But why don't they get saved? Because they don't recognize that he is God. He is Lord. He is everything. And so, my friend, when you think of that, he said, in the presence of the Lamb, the holy angels and the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that smoke ascends up forever and ever. No rest. Then from that white throne, all of the torments of hell, all the inhabitants of hell are cast into the eternal lake of fire. I believe that as that smoke, when it's opened during the tribulation, pours out, and those scorpions that we'll talk about next week come out, I believe that people will finally see this is the vestibule of hell. But in our text chapter, look at verses 20 and 21. Even though they know, even though they know by the scorpions that come out, those that come out, those locusts that come out, and their sting is like scorpions, even though those come out, the smoke is so thick, they can't see them when they hit them. It'd be so hard, they'll desire to die, and they can't. Even though there's a picture for them, a vestibule of hell, they reject it. Other things will happen that are predicted that will happen, because God said it would. And they see in all of that, it says in verse 20, and the rest of the men which were not killed with these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood. You realize that even when God gave the commandment to Moses, we're not to even make an image of anything in heaven, whether it's an angel or what you think is God or Jesus Christ. We're not even make an image to them to worship those images. Which neither can see nor hear nor walk. And he says, neither repented they of their murders nor their sorceries. And I'm going to say more about that tonight. Nor their fornications, nor their thefts. As we talk about the nightmare. Now, let me ask you. Do you realize that no, no person at all can take away the sins of any man but Jesus Christ? It's the only way. No man, no woman, no child, no church. Only Jesus, the Lamb of God. There's no other substitute that can cast away or remove our sins penalty upon us. No pastor. No priest, no rabbi, 
Only Jesus Christ. Only He can absolve us of our sin. No individual can merit such atonement by performing good deeds. You say, well, I'm going to do the best I can. You're going to try to work your way to heaven. You're going to break hell wide open, my friend. Jesus alone has provided full and final atonement on the cross and through his resurrection. And he willingly laid down his life for you and me. It's only through the shed blood that we find redemption will take place. His soul was the offering for our sin. And God was satisfied when the Son bore our iniquities upon him and he was offered upon that altar of a cross. And the blood shed for us was applied at the mercy seat of heaven. And it was as simple as us receiving it from him. Can you give a Bible reason why you know you're going to heaven today? You know what? One day, I'm saying this in closing, one day you die without Jesus Christ. Abraham had told Lazarus, son, remember, this day will be played back in your mind. You'll hear the sermon. You had a chance to come and, and, and receive Christ. You had a chance to come and do something about it, and you rejected it, and you'll think, I was insane because you didn't really believe what God said about hell. You didn't really believe what he said about being a sinner that deserves to go to hell. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know, do you have a good biblical reason? Do you know, are you 100% sure if you die today that heaven's your home? One a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. You'll have that opportunity to leave your seat when we're singing and come down here and meet me at the front, and I'll direct you to someone trained in the Word of God that'll open the Bible and show you how you can be saved. But we can't do that if you don't come. I can't save you. The one that counsels with you can't save you, but they can take you to the one who does. Oh, come to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads, please.